Okay, it's really wonderful to be here this evening to uh, present God's Word to you. Um, it's great that God has written a text to us that we can read and it can change our lives. Uh, if you haven't got a Bible with you this evening, um, if you'd like to raise your hand, I'm sure one of the deacons or one of the stewards will bring one to you and then you can follow the, the passage. But I will be showing things on the PowerPoint as well. Uh, and if that's helpful to you, then you can see those. If it's not helpful, then you can just look at the, uh, the passage uh, in the Bible, either on your phone or in the, even in print version. Okay. So, uh, thanks, uh, Alistair, for reading the whole of chapter 4 earlier. Um, it'd be nice if we could talk about the whole of Colossians. I, I think it's a tremendous book. And... Uh, what we're going to focus on tonight is uh, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And I'm really just going to go through it phrase by phrase. Um, and so really, if you want any subheadings for this sermon, they are all contained in those verses. Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6. And we're going to be talking about proclaiming the good news. And that includes, uh, well, the good news is... Uh, that Jesus Christ has died to save us. And that can be, that good news, we can share that in the, in the locality. We've got a picture from Google Earth here that shows, uh, well, the, the area around Hollywell Church. But it's amazing we're living in the 21st century where we can literally reach almost anywhere in the world. So, uh, now before we do this, I'm actually going to uh, have a little mini-sermon so you get... You know, two, two sermons for the price of one, how about that? So, uh, because I think if we're going to talk about the gospel, I really feel that we either need to remind ourselves what the gospel is, for those that are familiar with the gospel, and if anyone is not familiar with the gospel, it's useful just to go through what the gospel is. What, what is the good news? And uh, there's an earlier verse in Colossians, Colossians 1, verse 27. I'll read it out. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is a tremendous verse. And uh, I remember uh, reading this a number of years ago and not noticing those words. But God really, in a special way, brought these words to the fore. Um, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Really, this kind of summarises the good news. Being a Christian, if you're not a Christian tonight, and, you, uh, and you're considering perhaps being a Christian, or you want to know what Christianity is, it's about having Christ in you. Jesus Christ, who was God's Son, died for my sin and for your sin, so that he, he literally pays for that sin. And so you can have eternal life. And not only that, we have Christ with us now for this life, with all its troubles, with all its challenges. We have Christ with us. Christ in you. But we don't just have Christ with us now on this earth. We also have this tremendous hope of glory. And uh, the word hope, uh, as many of you would know, well, some of you will know that the word hope in the Bible very much means a certain hope. Often in, uh, nowadays, we use the word hope and we sometimes say, oh, I hope so, which means I'm not sure. 
but I hope it happens. But when the Bible talks about hope, it, it's a certainty. So we have Christ in you, Christ who's died for you, who's paid for your sin. He's died in your place. He's risen again. And you have Christ in your life and you have eternity and you have the hope of glory. Well, what is this glory? Well, in Revelation 21, uh, we've got a picture of this and some really useful words that may be helpful to you. Um, Let me read this out. Revelation 21, verses 3 to 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Really underlining the truth of of God's word. And so, if you're thinking about, you know, what's what's heaven going to be like? Well, we live in a fallen world now. When God first created the world, it was very good. It says that in Genesis chapter 1. But because of man's rebellion against God, because of sin, it's become not very good anymore. And so we have death and we have crying and we have pain and suffering. But God's word says, he will wipe every, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. People don't like talking about death, do they? Uh, someone once said that in, um, in, in uh, Victorian times, uh, nobody talked about, uh, well they talked about death all the time, but they didn't talk about sex. And in the 21st century, people are always talking about sex, but never talking about death. It's a kind of taboo subject. But death is very real. And for some of you, you would have lost loved ones, perhaps very recently. It's very difficult. But there's going to be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. This is the glorious hope we have, the hope of glory. So this is the gospel we're going to be talking about tonight, of how we communicate to those amongst us here today, uh, and those outside in the wider world. And uh, in the book of Colossians, uh, written by Paul, inspired by God, in this letter, it very clearly explains uh, some very practical, but also supernatural ways that we can communicate this good news to those around us. So I'm going to just uh, go through, line by line, nothing elaborate tonight, just line by line, phrase by phrase, and just focus on some of the words that God has chosen to put into his text that's relevant for us today in, uh, in the 21st century. How about that? So it says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Um, the word devote, if you, if you look it up in the, in the Greek, because remember the Bible, this, this part of the Bible... This, uh, this book was ri- originally written in Greek, and Greek is a very rich language. I can't speak Greek. I think I know most of the letters, and I know we learned quite a lot of the letters during COVID, didn't we? They left out a few of them on the way. 
So we know what, we know what Omicron is now, for example. Um, no one needs to use that in mathematics. It's a bit confusing with the letter O. But, uh, but in Greek, it, 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 I'll try and pronounce this. It says uh, proskartorite. And I've written it in Greek letters there because I really like Greek letters. As an engineer, I like, I like Greek letters. And I know some people here are mathematicians or engineers or whatever, physicists. I think Tony's, Tony's on the back. Tony's written a fantastic book on, on maths, actually. And it, in fact, it's so complicated in his maths book that you have to, um, you have to use other letters as well. And I got past the first, I read the first chapter and I got stuck then. But it's a great book. Okay, so Greek, it says devote. And this word in English that we've translated into English, devote, is perhaps not strong enough really. It's actually continue steadfastly. Continue steadfastly. And I, I struggle with prayer. I sometimes pray about things and then I pray and then I stop praying. I've done that prayer, but then I stop praying. But the Bible says God is telling us if we're going to uh, tell people about this good news and we're going to have communion with God, he says, um, continue steadfastly. In other words, don't stop and be absolutely steadfast at that. Keep going with prayer. And really, the reason it's written there is because we don't naturally do that, do we? Well, I don't anyway. I struggle with that. I, I naturally give up, and I naturally am not steadfast. But continue steadfastly. And the word prayer, could devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, I don't know what the word prayer means to you. If someone talks about, let's have a prayer meeting, what does that conjure up? Um, if you've never had anything to do with church before, you might not, might not be sure what prayer means means perhaps or you may have a, a something in your mind it, it might uh, it might uh, help make, make you think of but uh, what does it mean to you there's different types of prayer it might be corporate prayer we prayed together earlier it may be individual prayer it may be um, something that you are praying over many many years to see a breakthrough in something and other times it might be it's just a quick prayer and God answers it in a miraculous way, very quickly, in that split second, perhaps. Now, there are difficulties with prayer. Prayer is hard. And remember, the, some of you uh, would have read the New Testament where um, the uh, disciples were praying with Jesus before he um, was crucified. And uh, he was praying, and they fell asleep. And that, could, that would have been me. I would have fallen asleep. And... Uh, it has been known to, for me to fall asleep during the service. Not, not, not often, hopefully, but uh, my wife nudges me. But uh, I try not to. I'm hoping I'm not going to fall asleep tonight. But, uh, so difficulties with prayer could be just being physically limited. It could be we're letting other things take up, take up our, our mind, making us not want to focus on the the task, if you like, or the joy of prayer. Essentially, prayer is communicating with and aligning with God. It's communicating with God and aligning with God. It's often, you know, it's not about bringing, telling God what to do, because God is infinite. God is infinitely wise, is all-powerful, all-loving, many other characteristics... So who am I 
to tell God what to do. No, but he wants his children, if you're a Christian, he, want, he wants you to talk, to talk with him and talk to him and just pour out your heart and to tell him what's on, on your heart. But it's about communicating with God and also aligning with God. The more we pray, the more we become into alignment with the will of God. A very bad analogy for this, and if, if the, the analogy isn't helpful for you, then just ignore it, but I found it helpful. Uh, I don't know whether you, when you were at school, did you ever do that kind of experiment where you get a magnet and you get a sheet of paper on top of the magnet and you put some iron filings on it, little flecks of iron on the surface and as you tap the paper, as you keep tapping it, the iron filings align themselves in the shape of the magnetic field. Now obviously prayer is way more than that, but it seems to me the more we yield to, to God, more that we, if you like, keep tapping the paper, if you like, the more we pray, that God, we become more and more in line with what God wants. So sometimes I might pray about something and, it, and God is saying, not now. He might be saying an absolute no. But in given time, he will change my heart and be in, in alignment with him and we will see amazing things happen. Jesus was totally in alignment with God the Father. And so when he prayed, things happened. He knew what God wanted. He knew what his Father wanted. So, but it is tough. It's difficult praying. But uh, we've, got to, we, we've got to continue steadfastly. And it also says being watchful. And it's very interesting, being watchful. Uh, continually looking and seeing. Um, often we, we might pray. We might pray by putting our head down. And that's, that's in reverence perhaps or to stop us looking around and being distracted. But nevertheless, we can still be watchful. We can still watch what's going on around us in our locality, perhaps in our immediate family or our household, in the community we live in or work in or we're studying in or whatever, however you spend your time. Or it could be looking at the news. So often we can watch the news and it's all bad news, isn't it? And uh, it often makes you think, oh, isn't this terrible? But I'm always telling myself, well, let's pray about this. I'm trying to force myself not to see it through the ways that the TV companies want us to respond to the news. As a Christian, we can look at what the, what's going on in the world and we can actually pray that God would act and God would do something in that situation. The world has got nothing else to offer there, really. They might try and get a practical help, but we can come to the God of the universe who is infinitely powerful, is everywhere at once, all loving, all, all wise, and he's knowable. All these attributes of, of God, as many others as well. So, when it says being watchful, um, how might we do this? We might try looking at, at with different perspectives, perhaps putting ourselves in other people's position. If you're perhaps uh, wanting to pray for somebody who you perhaps spend time with, whether it's in your, in your, your neighbourhood or your home, or perhaps where you study or work or however you spend your time, put, ourselves, put yourself in their position 
and try and understand, being watchful for what their needs are. But there's many other dimensions to this as well. The world is often uh, trying to divide people up at the moment, isn't it? If you look at the news and uh, look at the magazines and the, and the internet, people are trying to divide people up on various characteristics, whether it's perhaps, you know, uh, skin colour or it could be something to do with um, their age or their cultural or beliefs or education, all these sort of things. People are trying to be divisive. But the Bible says very clearly in Genesis 1 verse 27, well the first part of verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them. So everyone that we come into contact with, either physically or on the internet or whatever, they are made in God's image. And that is really special, isn't it? Really special that we're all, that unites the whole of mankind. So let's, uh, let's be watchful. Let's see what's going on. Let's look at the news. Let's look at what's going on around our neighbourhood in, perhaps in a different way and try and just not look at the bad but try and, do, try and think, well, what does God want in this situation? Also it says, um, being, be thankful. Being watchful and thankful. Um, so often I pray and then I might forget to thank God for answering that prayer. Uh, even last week I had the privilege of speaking at a, a a, uh, a school and uh, I felt tremendously humble the way the Lord helped me in that situation and uh, it's something I don't normally speak to people who are under the age of 18 I'm so used to kind of lecturing in the university with people 18 and above but I was working with people from the age of 9 till 18 and you know I, I'm not uh, boasting at all but God supernaturally helped me in that situation. And uh, it's so easy to pray about that then and then move on to the next thing to pray about. But uh, I want to be thankful here and open and say, thank you, Lord, for helping me then. And there's many, many other things we can be thankful for. Fundamentally, we can, and, and ultimately, we can, we can be thankful that Jesus Christ died in our place. And we can thank God that we have this eternal, glorious future. So thankful is acknowledging what God has done and being grateful. Acknowledging what God has done and being grateful. So I think that should be part of our, our acts of prayer, a bit watchful and thankful. Now the next verse, next, well, next part of the verse, uh, verse 3, it says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. It's crucial that, uh, that we pray uh, for people. In this case, it was Paul saying, pray for us. Pray for him in his ministry. So people, others need prayer. Often I might pray about myself and my own immediate family, but it's really important to pray about, to other, about others in other situations. They need our prayer. Missionaries, uh, people working in all uh, places, people who are perhaps isolated at home, people that are at different ages, at different stages of their life. It's really important that we pray. It says pray for us too, to pray for others. 
And it links here directly with that God may open a door for our message. And I think this is quite profound. And this is really the mo- the, the, one of the key parts, I believe, of this passage. It talks about that God may open a door for our message. Sometimes I might say to the Lord, I've got an idea about taking the message to people. And I'm saying, God, please bless this idea. And that may be fine. That may be appropriate. It may, God, in his tremendous abundance, and, he, and he, he, he's so loving that he will often, he will, he will bless something like that. But really, I think it's much more important that we pray that God will open doors for our message. Rather than saying, oh, God, will you open this door? He would say, let ask God to open the door that he wants to open in our life. So, And it might be a door we've never considered before. It might be a door in our place where we spend our time, at home, work, play, uh, studying, whatever, wherever we are, that God will open a special door for the message. God's done that in, in some situations in my life in, in recent years, which is totally unexpected. And uh, so, let's pray that God will open doors. Let's pray in, in a very open way, God open a door that I, and show me this new door. And I believe that God will do that. God will honour his word. And we will have an opportunity to proclaim the good news to people. Because it is good news. This good news of being set free from sin, having a relationship with God, with having a purpose to our life, and having eternal life in perfection, is a pretty amazing message, isn't it? Eternal life. So it says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message that we, so that we may pro- proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. It talks about this mystery of Christ and that goes back to this earlier little mini-sermon I gave about uh, Colossians 1 verse 27 where it says, um, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Notice that it talks about um, praying that I, that's Paul in this case, may proclaim it clearly. I often find that the, the gospel, uh, across uh, sometimes when it's preached, um, in various churches around the world, and way it, certainly the way it's presented in the media, is often very unclear, is very obscure. And I think we need greater clarity in the way we present what Christ has for people. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Note the word pray again, and the word clearly, clarity. And again, it might be that we naturally aren't clear I'm trying to be clear tonight, maybe I'm not clear, but my prayer is that I'm clear. We really do need clarity, especially in this day and age where there's so much confusion, so much misunderstanding. People's knowledge of the Bible is extremely poor. 
Uh, people would say that you know people's grandparents didn't go, uh, they went you know went to Sunday school and their their parents didn't and then they don't. Quite frankly, their great grandparents didn't go to Sunday school. We've had many generations now where very few people go to Sunday school and get taught from the Word of God. Praise God that here in this church the Word of God is preached and taught to the children from an early age. But we do need to. Uh, proclaim it with great clarity. We need to educate ourselves and educate, help others to learn as well. I'm I'm very, uh, I feel very blessed that we have such good uh, preaching in this church from the pastors and the the preachers. Verse 5, it says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Sometimes the word outsider sounds a bit negative, doesn't it? An outsider. But, you know, it might be tonight, it's the first time you've ever come into a church building or maybe the first time in this church building. And I really hope, my, my prayer would be that you have felt very, uh, very welcomed here tonight. That you would be, and you, and you indeed are very welcome. But it says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And that wisdom... Uh, goes the next step, doesn't it? It's not just about being nice to people. It's about being wise. It says be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. It's very important that we use wisdom and think about the way we act towards people because everyone has needs. Everyone's coming from a different perspective. I often think everyone thinks like I do. Well, I don't really think that much, but I, I can easily think that. But everyone, we have a great diversity of thoughts. People think in all kinds of different ways. And uh, it's like my little magnet analogy just now. It might have been terrible for some of you, but for me I found it helpful. But uh, it says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. I I pray, and and this church is like this, it's a welcoming church. It's a church where people are welcomed in and they feel comfortable here. And it can be very uncomfortable coming into a church building not knowing what's going to happen. Seems a bit strange. Some of you may have been coming here for many, many years and you're much more relaxed about it all because you know what sort of things are going to happen. But uh, it's great that the doors are open tonight with the, well they always are, aren't they? The doors are open for people to come in and we can share with them. It says, make the most of every opportunity and uh, It's so easy to miss an opportunity or not to take an opportunity. I'm terrible at this. Sometimes there's an opportunity to share with someone about the gospel and I blow it by just, I, I just, it doesn't happen. Other times there's a great opportunity. And uh, just recently I had a couple of good opportunities where totally unexpectedly I've been able to share the gospel with people who have never heard of it before. Real privilege to do that. But it says, make the most of every opportunity. So, I've got some pictures here, if you can see them. Um, you know, it might be out when you're out with people. It might be, uh, the other pictures on the right, the other three, I think has been the opportunity over the last two years during COVID. We've had the opportunity for the message to be on, online. We never thought of doing that before. We had to because we couldn't meet together for a, quite a long while. Um, but we could go to the supermarket, we go to Tesco, something like that, 
So it was like a highlight for Sue, wasn't it? We used to, used to go to Tesco's during COVID with your mask on and everything. But uh, great opportunity to speak to people and to ask them about themselves. I'm going to embarrass Sue now. Sue's good at this. She's, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I go in. I don't go shopping very much. But when I go shopping, I might quickly buy something and walk out again. But she's really good at engaging with them and spending time listening to them. And uh, builds up a relationship over time. Uh, the right-hand picture here, if you can see it, is a load of people on Zoom during lockdown. And this is the uh, Christian Union um, having their carol service during lock- lockdown, one of the lockdowns. And instead of having a, a church full of people, maybe 100 or 200 people, they had over 600 people online. What an opportunity. People all over the country were watching that service and engaging with it and hearing the gospel and the gospel was preached. That was a great opportunity. Now, other times that isn't appropriate but that was making the best of an opportunity and there's many others as well. So let's be creative. God will give us opportunities. Let's, let's kind of seize the moment and I'm preaching to myself here at the moment because I'm not very good at that. I need to do that more. I, I really do need to uh, be ready and to grab that opportunity. Okay. Verse 6, it says, Let your conversation be always full of grace. And a couple of things to, to note here. It says the word conversation, uh, which is a two-way process. A conversation is two-way, isn't it? So if you're a Christian and you're telling other people about Christianity, it'd be very easy just to kind of talk at them for 99% of the time. But a conversation is important because they will have particular questions to ask. They want to be in conversation. And it says, um, let your conversation be always full of grace. Full of grace. Grace is quite a rare commodity in this day and age. But the Bible is talking about grace a lot. It's God's great favour. And let your conversation be always full of grace. That's with people in the church, but also people we speak to outside the church as well. And it says, um, we need to remember that everyone, including us, have fallen short of God's perfection. So, So people sometimes think that Christians are people that are kind of inverted commas good. No, the only, thi- the only thing that Christians have in common, and they have in common with every other human being, is that we've all failed to come up to God's standards. We've all fallen well short of God's perfection. We've all failed the exam. We've got less, well less than 100%. At the university, you get a first-class degree if you get 70%. And uh, I always think if you're doing something like civil engineering or something, imagine only designing a bridge 70% well enough. But uh, obviously there's other things they, they assess. But, um, but uh, no, but to, to get into heaven, to, be, to qualify for heaven, you've got to be perfect. 100%. And we've all, everyone in this room, every one of the 7 or 8 billion people on this earth have inherited sin and are sinful. So that's the thing we have in common. 
And so when we're reaching out to people, when we're having this conversation with them, we're really just people that have understood that we've fallen short. And we've also learned and we've been taught the way of salvation. And that's why we've then become a Christian. Ephesians, uh, sorry, Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So our faith, our walk with the Lord, is not about works. Obviously, these works are important in the sense of they are in a response to the fact we're 100% saved by grace. But then we want to serve the Lord and to see his kingdom extended. And it's not about works. It's, not, it's all about the great, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The next point here, it's it's a great passage, isn't it? When I first read this, well, I've read it many times, but when I first noticed it properly, I thought it was marvellous. It's got every part of it is really helpful, isn't it? It's got, uh, it says, seasoned with salt. And uh, seasoned with salt. The word salt is obviously a metaphor. It's just a picture of what, uh, the way we, have this conversation, this graceful, if you like, or conversation always full of grace, seasoned with salt. And uh, salt um, had a wide number of uses uh, in the ancient world. It still does, actually. It's always really important. Um, It was used as a preservative and as a disinfectant. And it was so valuable that they sometimes used it as currency at the moment, you can go down to the supermarket and you can buy a container of salt for hardly anything. Because of, our, because of the way economics works and we've got machinery, things, commodities are amazingly inexpensive now. And we've got, we've got used to that. We can just buy some salt. But if you had to go and get your own salt, you had to dig it out of the ground yourself, that would be really valuable, wouldn't it? It would be really hard to do that. But to make these whole things work, you need, well, you need machines that Alistair's company work, work on to dig things out of the ground. And you need the whole of this supply chain to get something where it only costs a couple of pounds. But back in uh, the times of when the Bible was written, it was a really expensive uh, commodity. And they, because they use it as currency... Um, that's where we get the word salary from. The word salary. Uh, so if you have a monthly salary, monthly amount of money or a yearly amount of annual salary, that's where, where we get that word. But seasoned with salt, it's about being, you know, having, be, having this preservative uh, as, and sometimes a disinfectant, sometimes to actually come against things that are wrong. And as Christians, we need to stand up sometimes and say, no, I'm sorry, that is, that is wrong. That is not good. And we do that in a, in, because the Bible says so, not because we're good. We just know that what the right thing to do is. But just a reminder, it says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. It doesn't mean to say all salty, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Sometimes you may be a bit apprehensive about telling people about the good news. Will they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to? Well, maybe that is the case. But we should be able to at least tell people about the hope that we have. In 1 Peter 3.15, he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And that will, that's a prayer, really, isn't it? A prayer that we would um, revere Christ as Lord and be prepared to give an answer. And that preparedness might mean a lot of, lot of study, a lot of reading, a lot of prayer. It could be that God will give you directly uh, the answer. But it says, do this with gentleness and respect. And I think, again, when you look at the world at the moment, so many conversations or uh, interviews on television or on the internet, people are talking over each other, they're certainly not respectful of each other, and they're not gentle. But the Bible is saying to us, be different. It says, be have gentleness and respect for people. And that will be very effective. Okay, so we've got uh, our, our verse here. I'm going to read it out again. And uh, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then we've got the verses that I've read at least twice before today. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, possible questions to consider for this coming week, if you wish. Maybe you've never heard the gospel before. You know, what does the gospel, the good news, mean to me? What does it mean to you? It might be that you've you've heard the gospel many times before and you have never responded to it maybe you're a person that has responded to the gospel and you are a Christian and so point two how can we best prepare to share the gospel with others how can we do that well I think some of the clues are in this passage aren't they very clear instructions in God's text and number three how might these passages these these passages from Colossians help us in sharing the gospel with others And that will take us potentially anywhere in the world. And it's great that we live in these times when we literally can speak to someone on the other side of the world, even on a computer, or we can fly somewhere for many of us. Not everyone can do that. But uh, we have access to this global mission uh, extending God's kingdom. Okay, we're going to sing our final song. And... uh, the musicians would like to 
come to the front. Um, we're going to sing the, the song In Christ Alone. And this is a reminder that it's nothing of us, all of Christ. There's no, there's no works involved with being saved. It's all about Christ alone. It's great words in this, in this hymn. So let's sing that together uh, and let's stand when the music uh, begins. Thank you.